anime death spiral the only anime podcast with 100% objectively correct opinions and we are finally coming at you with our summer 2023 uh season premieres we're right on time Listen, i know you've is, been waiting uh, it is the hottest summer in world history for anime. Damn, it's hot anime summer. I know you chose to wait a, four weeks before watching anything just to check with us first. I appreciate that. I appreciate the trust you put in me. I mean, we know that you're that you're waiting for our opinions on on bated breath. Yes, yes, and it's a good thing you did because uh, you know what? Uh, there's some there's some complicated uh, premieres this season. But as always, uh, first I want to talk a little bit about uh, the disgusting amount of manga I've I've read in the last week or so since we've talked. Oh, Jesus Christ. You've gone back to the manga. I have. The paper monkey is on your back again. What have you been reading? I've been reading all kinds of shit. Yet again, pretty much randomly chose most of these things, so there's not really a, too much rhyme or reason. I did choose two in particular... Okay, before before you get into it, just let me ask you real quick. Do you, I know you said you don't have any rhyme or reason, but like, how do you pick then? Do you just scroll until you see a cover that like interests you? What is your deciding factor? Sometimes I do that. Sometimes it's uh, just a title. I'm seeing lists and lists of titles. I see a title that sounds kind of interesting. Uh, that's a hard one because a lot of them are Jap- Japanese only. I don't know what those crazy words mean i don't recognize them they're not in english uh what are these moon runes i i don't know what they say i really don't uh i have to guess most of the time so sometimes i go off the thumbnail sometimes i uh you know after a big binge uh a a big uh a scoop Mm -hmm. um i will pick out my absolute favorites and i will go and find the artist and i'll see what else they've done that's probably the most intentional i ever get Ah, uh, yes, the uh, the hentai artist method. Uh, well, I, hey, don't <laughs> preempt me here, okay? <laughs> have you ever have you ever looked up a title that you thought uh, sounded interesting and the art like completely turned you off? Uh, no, and I have talked about this with some friends before. Uh, there is, you know, this is a balance, and maybe we could talk about this because I I ask people a lot, like. What do you prefer, uh, a really good story with bad art or a bad story with really good art? And I I am tolerant pretty much of both. I prefer a bad story with really good art, but if there's a really good story, I can totally tolerate bad art. So I, I, I'm really open to it. But I know some people that cannot tolerate bad art, well, and they will bounce out of anything that doesn't look good. You know, you kind of have, like, I'm thinking of extremes on both ends there, and the original One Punch Man webcomic comes to mind, because that is, like, an objectively fun story with very bad art, which was kind of like the joke <laughs> for a long time, right? Uh, yeah, but it's a it, that's kind of unique, because I do think one's art in the webcomic is, like, it charmingly bad. I think it's really cute how bad it is. Well, I, 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 was, it, I was not commenting on, on its charm. It is absolutely adorable in every sense. Um, you know, and you can, you can tell like, like his, his personal story is that he just decided that he wanted to do a manga and, and his art, 
from start to finish to what we're seeing today is the evolution of him like deciding like I want to do a manga I don't know how to draw I'm starting at ground zero and it, it went from the the weird little webcomic doodles to like you know the art in in later parts of the original uh, Mob Psycho that he did like honestly look pretty decent I think he he really found his voice, but uh, but then again, like uh, like I said, I I think uh, going back, I've read the web comic from panel one, and I think even panel one has this just DIY charm to it that a lot of uh, bad web comics uh, do not. <laughs> like some of them are just bad, yes. and I don't think his was bad. I think it had something to it, and I think that's why it caught on to begin with. Not just because it was funny, it is funny. Uh, he was funny from day one. Well, he, he's a funny guy. Like, uh, yeah. that is part of the charm, right? Yes. Okay, we got a little off topic. Uh, wh- well, is, it's a difficult. It's it's difficult, right? It's, yeah. It's a difficult thing because some people like think something I would say is objectively beautiful is ugly. Like that happens. Mm-hmm. So it it becomes very difficult. Some people can't stand '80s art. They just cannot stand it. Uh, and I am sympathetic to that, but it's not a problem for me. So I just I just dive in, no matter what. I would say, for me, that uh, good art absolutely makes a bad story much more tolerable than good writing uh, makes really lackluster art for me. And and yeah. what I'm what I'm personally ex- like have experience with is for the most part. The good writers, like the really good writers, don't have a problem finding good artists who want to work with them. Sure, sure. I, I think that there's a lot of times where the the artist author, should we just call that the mangaka? Yeah, the the mangaka model is is you know there's a singular driving creative force behind the title usually, and I, I hate. I just it's, it's so weebish. <laughs> The, <laughs> the mangaka sensei. The mangaka sensei, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I find a lot, since I read some, kind of occasionally some more obscure stuff, not all the time, I'm not saying I'm like a real fucking deep diver or whatever, but some of the more obscure stuff in, in like short story collections with uh, mangaka, <laughs> uh, you know, there is definitely a, a much rougher take on the art and it is much more focused on on the utilitarian needs of of the narrative you know the thing that really kills me is isn't either one of those it's when i get into a story uh-huh. that has like good art or whatever and, and maybe even an interesting narrative and the politics are so bad uh, that will uh, hey, kill hey, it. hold on that we're will already going to talk about zom 100 later yes we'll we'll get to that <laughs> I, I mean yeah that's a nice primer for that yeah. so uh have you on the hook for that you know what there's a couple in here too i want to talk about some of the ones i've read okay so in in those decision making processes uh, i stumbled on two that actually fall weirdly in the middle of the spectrum because uh, i read dore yugi and Bloody Junkie, and uh, these are two death games. Okay. No bones about it. These are some death game-ass death games. Not even really toe in the line. Well, that's right up your alley. You love a good death game. Uh, I will... I, the, basically, I will I will search out death games, obviously. I've talked about this to death already. But yes, death game, death game that's, worth a, that's worth a search. So I found... I came to Dore Yugi and Bloody Junkie that way. 
Uh, Dore Yugi has some very strange uh, politics. Uh, Dore Yugi is about, and uh, man, if there wasn't a more blunt sledgehammer-like um, metaphorization of, of societal ills, but the, Dore Yugi is about the up, it's a secret society of upper class rich people um, who have created underground gladiator slave pits and just snatch people off the street and turn them into slaves to battle uh, po- almost Pokemon style in <laughs> gladiator fights under underground. I mean, I it seems a bit on the nose, if you're it asking It does me. seem a bit on the nose, yes. <laughs> and uh, now when I say Pokemon style, that's not just like throwing it out there. Uh, the impetus for our main character becoming involved in the slave games is that somebody sends him, and kids do not do this, uh, somebody sends him a text message with a link to a mobile game, and he just fucking goes, yep, downloading that. Um, and the game is called Slave Go. Oh, no. Yeah. Who <laughs> uh, boy. And the point of the game is you he- you hold up your phone to a person, and then you drag and drop various items like duct tape, rope, cage, onto the person and <laughs> I need it captures my tools. it captures the person and that person becomes a slave now of course uh, our main boy he's a he's a virtuous boy okay so he doesn't he doesn't know he's enslaving people at first he comes to that later okay so i want to stress that he, he's not he doesn't know he's enslaving these people but he accidentally does enslave some people including his like shitty homeroom teacher just on a lark. Okay, so hold on. Um, is this a porn comic? This is not a porn comic because uh, there's this is there's the some plot nudity of like, in there uh, of of most. Uh, it's like a whole genre. The the ha- slave app on your phone. Like, do you yes, know that? Yes, yes. I tell yes. Uh, <laughs> I'd love for you to tell me more about porn, <laughs> but uh, let me just finish up here, okay? Because there's some weird shit. Just saying, I know it when I see so, it. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> the, this is, the, the thing that divides this from that porn genre is that the comic is pretty explicitly anti-slavery. That's that's the, oh, dr- that's the oh, draw phew. line. Yeah. No, hey, me too. Hey, uh, us too. We're totally anti-slavery. Yeah, I thought Rising of the Shield Hero would have uh, won you over by this <laughs> point, but uh, <laughs> I guess you stood tall. You stood tall for your, for your moral code. Rising of the Shield Hero was so bad that uh, it, it made me uh, anti-slavery. <laughs> I was pro-slavery, and then I went full Abraham Lincoln after that fucking anime. <laughs> the anime so bad it made me an abolitionist. <laughs> yeah, so the one notable thing I will say about Dory Yugi, it follows a pretty standard death game trajectory that I've obviously laid out multiple times in this show, so I won't get into it. He is a virtuous boy. He doesn't take a heel turn. But for whatever reason, I have to assume he got a translation, uh, translation, he got a a cancellation. Mm -hmm. Oh, no. Around chapter 30, 35, or whatever. And to drum up interest in a potential sequel, this is probably what he he landed on. But uh, it does end with him losing everything he loses really really badly and that does not happen i mean a lot of death games have some pretty bleak endings but usually they're not uh they're not like full fucking like game over type lose wait and so that was that was the end this is a completed work 
I believe, I have to look, but I believe there was a very short run at a sequel, but uh, I, I, I don't know much about it. But yeah, that, so that is a notable thing about this series that is otherwise pretty unnot- un- not notable. Uh, unnotable? Not notable? Uh, Innotable? Uh, unnoticeable. Unnoticeable. It only caught my eye because of my death game obsession. The second death game is one called Bloody Junkie. And this one, again, this is a pretty standard setup. Uh, art is perfectly serviceable. Uh, has a very simple setup. This is one of the ones where a kid gets drugged in a parking lot, wakes up in a death game. As you do. Absolutely the most standard setup. Yeah, I mean, this is this is textbook Listen, shit. we've all seen we've all seen Squid Game. Uh, we're all big fans of Kaiji, Ultimate Survivor. I, uh, I haven't seen Squid Game. Shut up. Yes, you have. Don't let them know that. <laughs> That's the one I have. <laughs> it seems like a very common occurrence to just, you know, get co- coerced, corralled, or kidnapped into a death game. People are just getting, like, fucking ragged yeah, out People are talking about that, that Sound of Freedom uh, movie. Why are they not talking about the death game epidemic out there instead of <laughs> human trafficking? I know, it's fucking crazy. There's way more death games than there are human trafficking rings. I mean, there's like a new one every week. Right? Bloody Junkie is uh, a new one. And though it's notable about Bloody Junkie, char- our main virtuous boy... And uh, I will say, very simple setup. Both of these kids are orphans. Their parents are dead. So it's where... So they're already primed to be good protagonists. Exactly. This is very standard death game setup because then there's nobody looking for you, right? Yeah. No, uh, y- listen, uh, the last thing you want is parents hanging around in your story about a kid. That's just writing 101. It's very rare for parents to be around. I mean, I know we talked recently about the parental thing, uh, but parents are almost completely absent from every death game it's pretty un- it's pretty incredible i mean it's parents are just kind of absent from anime in in general yeah, like, yeah. it's always like oh yeah my parents are always at work in another city so they just let me uh live in this mansion with all these beautiful women for free yeah which which is child abuse <laughs> straight up it is it is neglect it is child it's having it a negative effect abuse. on their child's life I, I i can't stress it enough that doesn't make your kid happier okay? Okay. And I'm talking directly to you, anime parents. Yeah. Uh, I know you're listening to this. <laughs> so Bloody Junkie, the twist here, yeah, it's, a, it's, not even, it's not even particularly uh, an interesting setup. It's a battle royale style. Love it. Death game. Love a good, ba- love a good BR. Yeah. Um, ki- the characters wake up uh, in the arena. They each start in their own cell. And then uh, they, they each get have, a random uh, weapon or is that too much? Like, no, they each get a random weapon. Yes. Um, turns out, actually, there's this really like uh, weird gender breakdown here where women often get better weapons because they're women. So that's just. That's a thing. I'm just mentioning it because that's a weird thing that they say. Listen, they're shooting for equity, not just <laughs> equality. Yeah, I, I guess so. I, I don't really know what to make of that. They just kind of drop it in. The interesting thing about Bloody Junkie, the one notable thing, is that all the characters wake up with basically like one iPod glued into their ear. And in the iPod, earpod? Earpod. One earpod ear. glued in their ear. iPod ear. Come iPod on, it's ear. right there. E-pod. I don't fuck. I don't use those fucking Bluetooth shit. Wait, hold on. Why do they have an iPod in their ear? That's what I'm saying. This is the one interesting element because babbling incessantly throughout the comic into the earpods 
uh, are the Twitch viewers. They basically have Twitch chat running constantly directly into their skull. Wow. Um, that's my nightmare. Uh, <laughs> that sounds awful. It is awful. Uh, and the Twitch viewers uh, are awful, and their commentary is, like, really bad. But obviously on purpose, they're death game watchers. Uh, now, it is posited that maybe they don't really understand that it's real. Like, they, they think it's a scripted thing. Yeah, I but was, um... it is real. And they are watching it, and they are laughing as, like, teen girls are stabbed to death. That reminds me, uh, sorry, that reminds me of a show. I cannot remember the title right now, so this is not going to be helpful. But the premise was interesting. It's a death game where... Um, the main character is your standard, like, uh, he, like dweeby, a, a social kid in the class with no confidence, um, except that he is, like, hyper-obsessive good at this particular video game that the real-world death game that they're playing is based off of. And so occasionally he'll go into, like, a super gamer fugue state and be awesome at killing everybody and then come out of it and be like, oh, why is everybody dead around me? This is so many death games. I, I can't even, I don't even know where to start to narrow it down. I yeah. mean, is this Batum? That's the Xbox 360 uh, it is. one. It is the, Batum. Thank you. It's Batum. Yes. Wow. I can't believe I nailed it you right got off it on of the that first with try. Such, little, such little information. Damn, I'm good at this. Wow. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So, so uh, bloody junkie got canceled very early on. So uh, there was going. They're introducing a concept where the Twitch viewers would like uh, vote stuff into the game. I and mean, I thought that was going to be a kind of a fun angle, but it just it was so standard. It obviously got canceled. So R.I.P. to Dora Yugi and Bloody Junkie. I I would have kept reading. Well, I would have been the only one, but whatever. Pour one out for the real ones. Pour one out for the death games. This week's death games, both canceled too early. Now, in the in the other block, my horror block, oh, uh, I read a couple of interesting ones. One I read is a collection of short stories. I actually read two collections of short stories, but uh, one was a collection uh, of 11 short stories by Takahashi Yosuke, um, okay. who is someone I hadn't read before. Really interesting horror author. Kind of, uh, and had been included in the other collection I read, which is uh, just a, 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 a various horror anthologies. But, I mean, check this this horror list out. It's great. Takashi, Takahashi Yusuke is in here. Hino Hideshi, who did, like, Mandala of Hell. Iniki Kaneko, who I talked about a bunch, did School Zone and her own short story collections. Junji Ito's in this collection. Hell yeah. Uh, we've got a couple other people I'm interested in. Uh, Norui Michiru, Osada Noto, and uh, Amagapa Shojugun, who uh, don't don't Google if you're at work. Uh, <laughs> that dude draws a lot of porn. Uh, so uh, be careful about that one but these guys are all uh, heavy hitters like good shit and so I read Nightmare Negotiator um, kind of on a lark I didn't know Takahashi Yosuke very well but it's really good there's some really weird stories and uh, uh, like a show we're going to talk about later there is a very interesting sort of divide between their their aesthetic and sort of the, the darkness of the stories they're telling uh, I think if you like horror short stories, fuck, Takahashi Yosuke is fucking killing it out here. 
I mean, it's always good to to have another name to fall back on for horror manga that's not Junji, Junji Ito, right? Well, that's what I've been, you know, I've been getting in, you know, because I talked a bunch about Kazuo Umez before. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Kazuo Umez and Inuki Kaneko and, and Junji Ito. Uh, Kazuo Umez, that was the uh, Drifting Classroom, right? Drifting Classroom, yeah, yeah Cat-Eyed Boy, yeah. all those kinds of stories. Fucking weird little Cat-Eyed Boy fucker. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I love Cat-Eyed Boy. That creepy little motherfucker. Yeah, and uh, and Hino Hideshi, who did some very, very famous ones. Uh, uh, I believe The Red Snake is the most famous one. And I, I put down Mandala of Hell because I really like that one. Um, but their art style, I mean, talking about, like, ugly art styles, they have, like, a, a very... Hoss, I I can only call it hostile. Uh, their art style. Uh, it is an attack upon the viewer's eyes. It's yes, it is meant to attack you, which is great. I really like it. Anyway, I read uh, that. I read. Uh, I started a story called Starving Anonymous. This one's this one's real fun. Uh, y- you describe this one to me as disgusting. So uh, yes, uh, I it am is truly eager to foul. find out what this is about. Yeah, Starving Anonymous is a newer series. Uh, great art in this one. Not not uh, actively aggressive to the to the reader. It's pretty pretty nice to look at. Taking the actual stuff being drawn aside, it's nice to look at. This is a story about a world co- collapsing due to global warming. <laughs> Let me know if that sounds familiar. Uh. Yeah, and uh, in this horrible heating up planet, this sci-fi planet. That's heating up. Uh, a, a couple kids, <laughs> this totally high school kids, sci-fi planet. Yeah, uh, they get kidnapped uh, for unclear reasons. Go! Oh, they're always kidnapping the kids. I know they're kidnapping these kids left and right. This is also I got to say, page one is just beautifully drawn chicken nuggets. I'll, I'll get into why, but uh, <laughs> I just thought that was that was really piqued my interest on page one. I was like, damn, I gotta I gotta know what's going on here. You were very enthused by those chicken nuggets. Uh, yeah, instant attention grabber. Why is this dude drawing people just loving the shit out of some chicken nuggets? I have to know. I have to know why. Uh, you know, I like chicken nuggets. Uh, I'll read the story. So this kid, uh, gets kidnapped, and when he wakes up, some bad things happen to him, and eventually, uh, he gets put into a big room. A big dark room. The only thing he Mm. can see in the big dark room are basically a field of morbidly obese naked people stretching out as far as the eye can see, all in a stupor, sucking liquid out of hoses that are dangling from the ceiling. Oh, so he's in America. Yeah, well, the first thought I had was, oh my god, this is what they think America is like. (laughs) I really was. I was like, damn, holy shit, that's harsh. Uh, he spots his friend that also got kidnapped with him, and his friend had just started sucking on the hose and, and basically was becoming stupefied from this horrible liquid. And right before he decides to join in, uh, he, is, he is grabbed from behind by a couple other people who are uh, n- quote-unquote normal, let's say. I, I don't, you know, we don't want to get into the whole uh, fat phobia <laughs> issues aside. Sure. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, we can put those aside for a second. Uh, we'll say the quote-unquote normal kids show up. And they're like, hey, d- hey, dude, um, they're, like, fattening us up. Don't drink that liquid. It'll turn you into an American. 
<laughs> oh fuck uh, there's no worse fate yeah and he's like well i don't want that what am i supposed to do and they're like okay so he's what like, we're gonna whoa, do whoa, hey i'm a i'm apolitical i don't i don't want to do that yeah 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 I, I i'm proud to be japanese uh i can't i can't change now <laughs> they're so they're like okay well don't worry about it so so what we're gonna do is oh shit and there's a knock at the door they're like get down pretend you're drinking from the hose he jumps down, he grabs a hose, he puts his thumb over it, he pretends he's sucking like a baby. Mm-hmm. And he desperately tries not to make eye contact with this thing that enters. But we see it. We see the thing creeping up behind him. It's like a 14-foot-tall caterpillar with blade tentacles and two mouths. And it just starts chopping people up left and right and sucking their guts out. Uh, very, very detailed drawings of all of this, by the way. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Uh, so we're like, this is, um, cool. <laughs> this yeah, is awesome. Okay. Well, I mean, I get what they were doing with the, with the chicken nugget close-ups earlier. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, but also, man, I would, I really want some chicken nuggets, right? Now. I would love some chicken nuggets. I would eat the fuck out of 40 chicken nuggets so i would say there are about 18 different jaw-dropping twists just from like just within 10 pages of that uh, that moment alone uh, but i want to leave it there because man it goes some places is it goes some fucking places dog okay i'm going to call this subgenre the um the like the hansel and gretel right uh, because i feel like like there's <laughs> enough now People being kidnapped and and surreptitiously and raised as livestock. as livestock is like uh, just a thing because um, Promised Neverland, Promised Neverland, that was like the whole thing, right? Yes, Promised Neverland is very good as well. I like Promised Neverland a lot. Uh, I've heard some not great things about the second season, but um, I have not read the manga. I never watched it. I never watched the second season, but first season, very good, very very good. All right. I hope you never do. Yeah. You know, this is also uh, very similar to uh, Shadow's House. Uh, it does a very similar thing as well, which is very interesting. And if, that is uh, different you're... than Eminence in Shadow, I'm assuming. Very, very different. Okay. Very different. So, yes, you, there are definitely these human anxieties going around right now. Uh, it is it is palpable in the air. Uh, I think of, that's... of the common man being fattened up as as fodder for for an alien upper class well a lower class of people being used as as fodder for an upper class yes i think that's pretty potent imagery for a lot of people right now i, I wonder why that would yeah, be on you know, the forefront of people's minds maybe people are just thinking about that a lot especially in uh, uh, uh explicitly like apocalyptic scenarios as well i will say Hey, that's a good segue. Wait, let me give me let me give you one <laughs> sentence on the rest. Okay, of these all right, get it go. in, get it out of your system. Okay, let me, I've only got four more. <laughs> uh, Arata Kangatari, Kangatari, not Kana Kanat Karakagatari. Arata Kangatari. Now oh, this is uh, so this is a, a, a mid '90s. It's got the mid '90s styles. What's What's interesting about Arata Kangatari is it is a <laughs> pre isekai wave isekai. Oh. The twist here is that. Uh, the guy switches places with his fantasy counterpart. So instead of being like a, immediately like a power fantasy where he forgets about the real world, uh, he has constant anxiety about what this fantasy dude is doing with his life. 
Okay, good I angle. like that. I like that a lot, actually. Yeah, it's a good angle. Yeah. Princess Resurrection Nightmare. This is more, less of a interesting thing and more of a fun phenomenon I was thinking about. This is basically a kind of a cutesy horror mix uh, about uh, a group of uh, a, a princess and uh, a little undead boy and her werewolf and Dracula servants uh, fighting various monsters week to week. Uh, what's interesting about this is after I read a bunch of it, I realized this is actually like a some kind of like joke spinoff of another series that I had never heard of before. Oh, that's happening a lot. Yeah, this keeps happening to me. I think because of the randomization process that I choose <laughs> things. Uh, it's just kind of a funny phenomenon. I kind of want to mention some other ones at some point that that's happened, but it's funny. I read, now this is, this is a, believe it or not, this is a manga that has over 400 chapters. It's called Kate Kyoshi, Hitman, Reborn. At the beginning of the manga, the maybe, I don't know. Uh, the, it doesn't seem like it. Uh, at the beginning of the manga, a regular J Japanese boy is visited by a literal mafia baby. A little baby sucking a pacifier, wearing a little suit. Wait, like, uh, like a mafia some kind of boss baby? It is very much like a boss baby. Now, for some reason, the boss baby mafia is called... His name is literally Reborn. I don't, I don't know why. And he has decided, due to blood lineage, uh, to make this Japanese teenager a mafia boss. He will become a mafia don. Now, I just want to note, a uh, hundred chapters later, it is full-on, like, fantasy power fiction where people are using earth elementals to battle each other, so okay. clearly the <laughs> mafia part doesn't matter. Well, you know, I was already primed for it to take that turn when you when you announced that it starts off with a talking baby who runs the mafia. Yeah. Oh, also the talking baby is, like, a, almost an omnipotent god entity that that can like create like reality altering weaponry um so that's just a thing okay so hold on let me is it like is the baby explicitly like an italian casa nostra like sicilian mobster in the beginning yeah. yes literally yes and, and he decides to make this japanese teenager due to uh i'm assuming convoluted lineage reasons like you get to join the mafia now? Yes, the Japanese seem to have taken the family aspect of the mafia in incredibly seriously because they trace <laughs> basically 10, 10 branches of the family down to find the last living member of this mafioso uh, who is this Japanese boy due to, you know, uh, international uh, affairs, uh, which is insanely stupid and uh, once again proves the point that... Uh, Blood lineage, uh, stupid and fascist. Mafia shit, s just stupid. Do they not understand that the mafia is, like, super racist? Yeah, no, they, uh, <laughs> they apparently not. They really gloss over that part. I have to say, uh, the guy who did Hell's Paradise has a new one going, and it is also about a guy becoming a mafia don due to fucked up blood lineage shit. And I have to, I really want to just put my foot down here. That is not how it works, you it's guys. It's not how it works, people. That's not how it works. Watch watch The Godfather. Watch it one more time. You'll pick up on the subtext. Uh, okay, last one. Okay. This is really quick. It's a series called Ottoman. Now, um Ottoman. they make the Ottoman they make the Ottoman joke. Okay, so don't Yeah, you you no, got it. It's there. pronounced Ottoman. Yeah, they get there within the first 4 pages, okay? So <laughs> so chill out, dude. Uh, no, if uh, unlike either of us, if you speak Japanese, you'll pick up immediately that it is actually a joke based on husband man. 
This is a man who is such a wife guy that it gives him superpowers. That's the premise of the comic. Okay. He loves his wife <laughs> so much, it gives him superpowers. Hey, love a wife guy. Yeah, and then he, you know, he fights monsters or whatever. But that's that's it. Okay. That that, that sounds fun. Yeah. yeah, so that's the haul this week. I've got a couple more I did read, but I I would rather talk about them next time when I can actually sink my teeth into. All right. Okay, well, you that's successfully it. trampled over a perfectly good segue. Uh, let's take a break. All right. Okay, folks, uh, I know you're raring at the bit, chomping at the bit, raring to go, either one, take your pick, mm-hmm. to watch some new anime. You're sick of all the old anime. You've watched all the old anime. Spring's old news. Winter is basically yeah. ancient history at this point. I want to know what I should be watching in the summer season, Remy. Literally can't even remember what happened in winter. It's completely mind wiped. It's the dark ages. There are no records. Yeah. We're, we're living in the now, and now is new shows, and I kind of want to go, how do you want to do this? I think we should trade off, because I know you watched a bunch I didn't, and I watched a bunch you didn't. Yeah, well, I want to start with the one that I know we, we have seen at least one episode each of. Okay, let's do it. And that is, uh, the girl I like forgot her glasses. Oh, well, actually, I, I read a couple chapters of this. I didn't watch the anime. Okay, well, I watched... Uh, I watched the first episode of the anime, so I guess we can we can go from there. Um, well, then tell me how the animation looks. Uh, that is kind. Of, that's a hard <laughs> one for me because the wow, first that's thing hard. I did, well, okay, so the character models look great, and the character animation looks uh, fine. Um, okay, good. The backgrounds, though, uh, were not doing it for me. They were employing very heavy use of, of like, not CGI. great CGI backgrounds. You know, That's going to be a theme. I know. It's a theme in a lot of these that we watched. Yeah. I generally am trying to be much more lenient on, on the use of CGI these days, uh, both because I'm just coming hot off of seeing... Uh, across the Spider-Verse, which you saw a while ago. Uh, I just Twice. got around to seeing it. Uh, am- amazing film, beautiful, loved it, go see it. Uh, revolutionary for the format. Yes, yeah, perfect. None of that was present in in any of the very <laughs> cheaply uh, stock background animations they used in the first episode of uh, Girl I Like, I Forgot Her Glasses. Um, right. To the point where, like, there were... There were visible uh aliasing marks on the shadows like they were fucking jagged as hell that is not good it's not great at all um then they did not do uh they did a little work trying to cover it up by doing kind of like this super um kind of like morning light washed filter uh and color palette over everything sure doing kind of like a you know like a hand swatched thing to make it less noticeable that they are just straight yeah. 3d models but it was not doing it for me was, was that so distracting it was really out of the show? no it was honestly it was really distracting um wow, because they they use it even in close-up shots 
with the characters where you would assume like, okay, we're getting a, a close up, you know, shot of these characters in front of their lockers. Right. And it's, it's shoulder and head in the shot. Right. Um, and you think it wouldn't be that much effort to just paint a static background of their lockers behind them, but they just stick them in front of the badly rendered 3d models. Um, and it is, uh, very noticeable, especially when you're up that close and that Yikes. was not the closest shot that they did uh in in that episode so i do not have great hope in that regards going forward yeah not well, great if there's one if there's one time you do have to nail it it is in the pilot episode yeah uh an absolute lack of sakuga in this in this first episode <laughs> uh was not wowed so that's unfortunate but I think that is separate from the premise, which I think is, you know, fine enough for, what, a early high school? Or are they supposed to be middle schoolers? Impossible hey, to tell. You tell me. Yeah. You tell me. <laughs> uh, no, I've it's... already made my whole spiel about how I don't care. <laughs> uh, I, I think of it as a giant metaphor. Yep. No, we're going to use that as the soundbite. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what like the basic premise is this this kid our main kid is your your basic middle school anti I'm not going to say antisocial he's asocial he has social anxiety uh he is your typical like can't fathom talking to a girl in any capacity let alone having physical contact with one sure sure terrified and and he has a a crush on the girl he sits next to in class. And right. wouldn't you know it, he finally has his opportunity to strike up a conversation with her when she forgets her glasses. So, and and he thinks he has a chance because she can't really make out his facial features. He, well, that's part of He's it. He's like, this is the only opportunity I'm going to get into this. Well, it's it's definitely part <laughs> I gotta of it jump is a on mask for his anxiety. It's like, all right, she can't see my face, so she can't tell how nervous I am. So, yeah, uh, you know that. That's or how it. ugly I am. Well, he's not though. He's just like he's incredibly average. <laughs> sure, sure. But, but the the recurring humor, the joke of the series is that she cannot see without her glasses. They make that explicitly clear. She is basically blind. It's so funny when people can't see without their glasses. Remember Jurassic Park. <laughs> That was I do, so funny. I do remember Jurassic Park. It was so funny when that guy forgot his glasses. And then he got eaten by the dinosaur. Yeah, then he got eaten by the dinosaurs. Does she get does she get in any peril? Uh no. No, no. The Really? Not in the first episode. I don't know. You've read more of the manga probably than I've seen of the anime. She didn't fall down the stairs at even one time because she couldn't see without her glasses? No, no. Most of it was like like oh she has to she's sharing his textbook with him in class so she has to get up real close to him to see the words on the page because her eyesight is so bad so sure this sure. freaks him out obviously because uh, he's a little loser wimp who who can't like be within five feet of a woman without freaking out um, which I guess is is relatable you know uh, yeah. <laughs> for her for a teenage boy. <laughs> I don't want to seem heartless. Uh, that sounds like a skill issue. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that's basically the first episode. Um, 
uh, they kind of do a joke at the end where he thinks that she comes to school again without her glasses and so he's acting much more confident than he usually would and then at the end uh, she reveals that she has switched over to contacts for the day right right and you'd think that that would pretty much put the entire show to rest yeah right? no she got like, contacts like she can she, see now yeah what's what's the conflict after that they really kind of burned through their entire uh, premise there uh, I'm I'm confident actually in just kind of leaving it at the one episode because they told a complete story. Yeah, I mean, well, do you really need to see them get together? It kind of seems like you got everything you needed out of it. Yeah, no, I'm uh, I, I I got in. Um, they gave me exactly what I wanted and uh, called a day. Good job, guys. Ten out of ten. Great. I, I love it. I love it when you don't have to watch any more than one episode. Yeah, uh, what it's a time saver. What were your thoughts on the manga chapters that you read? You know, it was such a, it was in such a flurry of other uh, kind of trashy rom-coms um, that it really didn't make much of an impression on me at all. I have to be honest. I don't want to sound like super harsh because I, re- I remember thinking, oh, this is fine. It's fine. But it doesn't have the, the, the juice, the verve of something like, uh, you know, a guy falling in love with a chick because she's like, she's a delinquent or a guy falling in love with a chick because she thinks she's an alien. I mean, there's nothing wrong with either of those. Those are natural and, and good urges to have. Yeah, I. but that's so much more exciting than a girl who forgot her glasses. So yes. it, it, it got, I think for me, it got, it got lost in the shuffle. I mean, it's, it's, I'm going to be honest, it's a better premise still than um, uh, I moved to Hokkaido and the girls here are really slutty. Well, I was going to say, there the, within that shuffle, I do have a memory of one of the other premises of, of the rom-com I was reading was, the girl I like has big tits. And that was the entire <laughs> premise, was, I like a girl and she has massive tits. And I was like, this, yes, yes. how can you... That you, is an interesting <laughs> premise. <laughs> how, do you, how do you get an entire series out of that? What, what were you thinking? Well, first of all, it's hold like, on, if... Maybe that speaks to talent if the uh, author can wring an entire series out of that premise. I guess so. They say the the greatest chefs can make a meal out of the worst ingredients, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, or or uh, put a different way, the the more simple your meal, the higher quality your ingredients have to be, right? Well, I mean, uh, Stark did make it out of a box of scraps in a fucking cave. Hey oh. All right. That's uh, one so let's talk reference. about. Let's talk about uh, Sin Duality Noir, because this does have a tie-in. Okay, all right. I did not watch this one, so take it away. Yes. I, I watched this one. This It seems harsh to say this, but this is essentially uh, a downgraded version of Gurren Lagann. Oh. Essentially, that's pretty much... Uh, the, the mechs are kind of cool. Uh, they're more on the small side. Think like Aliens uh, Power Loader. Or uh, more kind of Pat Labor-ish mechs. Okay. Um, and they they look pretty cool. And uh, they're all decaled up because uh, there's different teams of these mech guys. And because they have to go out and they have to duel as battle mechs, but also like salvage units because the world is post-apocalyptic. As there's you evil do. rain. The, the happening has happened and there's evil rain. Of course. Love and so they have to go out rain. and they have to, they have to scrap stuff with their mechs. And a guy, he's kind of, uh, he's like, uh, he, he's aspiring to be a hero, but he hasn't really gotten the last push, you know. Um, he has a he has a much cooler friend who is the mech pilot, ringing any bells. Oh, boy. 
And uh, guess what? Um, very early on in episode one, he finds uh, a girl with no memories inside a box and takes her home. Where do they come up with these ideas? I know. So we have a very, like, straight up 15 minutes in, we've got a fuck baby. We've got a a, 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 a loser mech wannabe hero guy. I really don't like it when you use that term. <laughs> That's we've already talked about it. That I know is we've what talked about it. I still don't like it. You know what? It made me very uncomfortable when the person I was watching with was like, "Hey, remember Chobits?" And I was like, uh, "Yes, I do remember Chobits." Yes. I wish I did not remember Chobits. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, hey, dear uh, listener, try and forget Chobits. Remember Elfin Lead? Hey, uh, I, I remember when you tried to show us Elfin Lead. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, hey, <laughs> when you can only afford like three DVDs every couple months, you know, you got to ring out a lot. What is this old guy talking about DVDs? What the fuck is he? So of course he plugs in the girl to his mech, and the mech becomes super powerful. Of course that happens. Uh, when I find a mysterious girl on the streets, the first thing I do is bring her home and plug her into my Blu-ray player. <laughs> well, you don't. The first thing you should think of is if you find some like passed out girl on the street. Is I wonder how it turn her into a weapon. <laughs> it's the American way. <laughs> that is the American way. Uh, so the weird thing is, uh, it does have a kind of a, strangely enough, despite how much genericism that, that sounds, uh, it does have kind of a fun personality to it at its core. I think the art is perfectly serviceable, though there is a lot of CGI. How are the backgrounds? The mech battles, the backgrounds are fine. It's the mechs and the mech, the mech monsters that they fight are all CGI. Hmm. But you know what? It doesn't look as bad as it could. It definitely looks better than it threatens to. So I, I give them some points. It seems like maybe they've made a little bit of progress. And keeping it just between the scenes where it's the mechs like fighting against the other CGI creatures uh, takes a little of the edge off, I have to say. It does take the edge off a little bit. All right. Well, uh, would you recommend it? I I don't know. I would say maybe it's good enough that I would give it one episode just to see if it, it has the flavor you like. But it's definitely no standout for sure. Well, that's good enough. You heard him, folks. Yeah. Okay, what do you got? Um, well, uh, all right. Let's, uh, let's go back uh, and talk about the actual thing I want to talk about when I set up the joke at the beginning of this bit. Uh, let's talk about ZOM 100. We both watched that, or at least a little oh, bit of it. Oh, boy. Okay. So, ZOM 100, um, again, speaking to the fears of the modern millennial wage slave, is about a a dude, just an absolute shit fuck of a dude, (laughs) who who graduates college, uh, gets a job at uh, a company that does business. They don't even get into it in enough detail like say what he was doing oh there, there are no company in japan actually produces anything it's just people filling out paperwork yeah yeah uh you know people would hand him like all right i need these reports done by the end of the day but then they would also talk about like uh casting uh department and and invoicing the uh set design people so maybe they were like some kind of financial division of a film production company it's it's impossible to tell. It's yeah. impossible to tell. Uh, anyway, um, he he starts off, you know, a bright-eyed youth ready to enter the 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 capitalist battlefield of of modern day Japan, 
and he joins a shit company and over the course of three years gets the ever-living life beaten out of him by a monotonous job and not making enough money and not okay no hold on hold on i will i will assert it yes tangentially it's those things uh the thing that is truly crushing him is his own fucking cowardice well this man is a coward he is a coward um he He is a weak person he has a weak soul and he is crushed by his own inability to uh take control of his life yes that's what i was gonna say uh he has an inability to take responsibility for his actions in any yeah, capacity. and his own happiness and and that is you know uh that is demonstrated and exemplified by his relationship with the office girl uh, the girl that they hire to hang oh, around God, the office. Please, no, God, um, <laughs> Jesus Christ! You know who he who he instantly forms a crush on the moment he sees her. I okay again. I I want to be harsher on this show than you, so I'm gonna say uh, immediately objectifies and fetishizes. I'm trying to give he an objective recounting of what happened. Uh huh. Uh-huh. I do not sympathize with this guy. I already made that clear. He's he's not a good dude. I just want to make this show sound as bad as I thought it was it when was, I was watching it. Yes. Um yes, he he forms an an extremely one-sided and an unhealthy crush on on this chick, compounded by the fact that she is sleeping with his boss. Yeah, uh, she's dirtied by yes. sleeping with the boss. Yeah, uh, that's her only function, by the way. She is only she's just a fuck toy for the boss. Oh well, you know, it, there's I'm, there's I'm not one gonna, woman. Uh, I'm not going to beat around the bush. She does not make it out of the first episode. She there is, is only one TV. woman in the entire first episode. Uh, she does not get a name, as far as I remember, and uh, she uh, is only there. She does. She does actually, but that's besides. She the point. does. Oh, Tori. Okay, well, that's my own. That's my own. <laughs> that's my own misogyny yeah. shot. No, that's you. Uh, <laughs> that's you projecting, that's my friend. Okay, that that one's on me, but <laughs> the rest of it. Hey, you're is no on longer show, one okay? of the good ones. <laughs> oh shit! I lost my status. I shouldn't have. I shouldn't have done this podcast long enough to expose myself uh, over Zom One Hundred, no less. I know. So, so he is just an absolutely broken down shell of a man by the end of his third year at this company, uh, when suddenly uh, the zombie apocalypse breaks out, which it is taking a interesting stance within the zombie fiction world in that it explicitly references zombies as existing fiction in his world and then also having them exist. Um, I don't know if there's going to be some kind of larger play on that later because, like, you know how, like, in shows like The Walking Dead or whatever, like, zombies aren't, like, a thing in their media. Uh, no, this eat- is more of a Japanese thing. Uh, it does happen a lot in zombie anime, where zombies are already a known quantity. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't happen quite as often in like American productions. They okay, try to well play that coy that throws doubt on my uh, initial theory that the zombie apocalypse is just happening inside of his head, and he's just going postal on all these people around him. God, I wish that was what was actually happening. God, I wish. Uh, no, they make it very clear that the 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 real his real world is experiencing an outbreak of zombies. The apocalypse is upon him, and this overjoys him. Uh, it gives him new life, uh, literally in the form of 
the show's color palette becoming like bright and saturated and neon soaked when he realizes yes, uh, that he doesn't have to go to his job in the morning. Uh, a, a, a human genocide is basically the best thing that has ever happened to this guy. Yes. Which I feel is kind of an underlying indicator of some really deeply messed up stuff uh, in in the philosophy of whoever wrote this. Well, I will say, for the first and last time, I will defend Zom 100 in that this is clearly the main premise uh, joke. This is the gag that they're constructing the entire rest of the show is that, oh, a bad thing is happening and this guy thinks it's good. Like that, that's very clearly positioned as the gag, the central pillar gag of the entire show. Yes. Now that doesn't mean that we can't dig into it and talk about what that actually means from like, <laughs> you know, a political, ideological, and philosophical angle of it, which uh, those things, those dimensions still exist even when you say, haha, I'm joking, bro. Uh, those don't go away. Uh, they do not. <laughs> and so basically the, the premise, right, the title comes from the fact that at the end of the first episode, he, he writes out a diary, uh, which, by the way, he still pays for. Like, he goes into a convenience store and picks up a blank notebook and a pen and leaves cash for the zombie cashier. Very cute. What a cute. He's so cute. He's I know so that cute it's supposed that to come that. off as like, oh, you know, he's still... I'm assuming that to a Japanese cultured person, it's an indicator like, oh, he's still... <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> a weird term. <laughs> it is a weird term. <laughs> I... I, I Please ignore it. I couldn't think of a better way to say that. <laughs> to a Japanese person, right? Um, <laughs> it's an indicator that that he is still like trying trying to participate in humanity. I guess, or that he's just been so socially conditioned yeah. uh, by the the previous three years of sleepwalking through life that this is just an extension of his inability to like grapple with reality. Yeah. Anyway, he get, he gets this notebook and and he writes out his bucket list, right? His 100 things to do before he dies in the zombie apocalypse. Yes, the Morgan Freeman thing. Yeah. Um, hey, yeah. Jack Nicholson was also in that movie. Oh, I guess so. Uh, he is closer to Jack than he is to Morgan. I guess that's true. Okay, so yeah, this show is uh, disgusting. I hate it. Well, hold on. Explain a little bit why. Well, so the, the the difference between a Walking Dead and a Zom 100, right? Mm-hmm. And, and this is a, this is definitely a cultural difference, but it's also a big production difference, and it's a difference in in the evolution of the the zombie in in modern uh, popular culture. But and this sounds absurd on its face, but the Walking Dead and Zom 100 are the same show. They are. Uh, I realize that sounds weird, but hear me out. Okay, I'm listening. ZOM 100 is the explicit surfacing of the subtext of The Walking Dead. The Walking Dead is a grim, dark show whose subtext is how fucking cool would it be if the zombie apocalypse happened? Because you get to be Rick 
or no, no he's not the cool one no norman the, reedus. the cool one uh, norman you get to, if the zombie apocalypse happened to you you could be a norman reedus you'd have a fucking yes. crossbow and you'd be fucking killing people and you'd be a badass it would be so cool all the girls would love you because hey how many options do they really have anyway, right? Well, you know, people have been making fun of the the office weekend warrior type for, for decades now. You know, yes. the, the disaffected office worker who thinks that he he's going to be the survivalist badass in the apocalypse because he spends his time stockpiling canned food and, like, taking online judo lessons on the weekend or whatever. Yes, yes, exactly. And so in in The Walking By Dead... By the way, I, uh, Zom 100's dude, his thing is that he's really good at rugby, and that's why he can survive right. in, in the apocalypse. He seems to be like four feet tall, so I don't know how the rugby thing played out. But uh, remind me, like, I think The Walking Dead issue one came out, like, what? Like, oh, early like, 2000s? Yeah, or 2004, maybe? Maybe a little bit later? 2004? It's been a long yeah, time. So, so and at that point 2004 at that point we are we really only dealing with like the remake of uh the you know the original dawn of the dead mm-hmm. um that remake that uh is oh you very, mean from visionary filmmaker Zack snyder yes and Zack snyder uh kind of redefining the zombie fantasy in his own way in a, uh, <laughs> one of the most hilariously homophobic scenes in in a modern movie <laughs> like I'd say, uh, but anyway, the the point of that movie is the same thing. It, it that's that that's the thrust of of zombie uh, media at the time. And so, The Walking Dead comes around, and it it tries to be a little bit more ironic with the exact same idea. At the at the time, you're you weren't we we were in a a place in our culture where you could just straight out say, "I want the apocalypse to happen so that I can like kill people legally." Uh, we, you're not, you're not supposed to say that in 2004, uh, even though, you know, as we all know, uh, some people, uh, were saying that about certain groups of, yeah, no, they were, uh, they were saying it then and, and they're still saying it now. And this may surprise you to hear, but they were actually saying it before that too. (laughs) They've been saying it for a long time. But specifically in relation to the zombie thing, so Walking Dead comes out, and we go through the entire comic process, and uh, by the time it's translated into film by uh, uh, the the inimitable Frank Darabont, who I have no problems with, he's uh, he's great. I, I love, love me I love some Frank. Frankie. I love me some Frankie D. He, he's great. But even Frank Darabont cannot escape the actual subtext of The Walking Dead, which is how cool it would be to be one of those guys who's who becomes a badass in the wake of a tragedy like that and zom 100 is the natural end point it is like uh walking dead is the mouth uh and <laughs> zom 100 is the ass uh, <laughs> we have the reached the end anus of zombie <laughs> Uh, please be. I used ass to be polite, okay? Please, can we keep it? Uh, we're not monetized, so I'm not worried about getting demonetized. <laughs> no, for my sake, please. <laughs> so we've reached the, the Zom 100 is the end product. And even though it is 
an attempt at irony. It obviously is an attempt at irony. It cannot escape the actual political reality of what it is and what it exists, the context within uh, it is birthed and what it exists to do. And what it exists to do is to be essentially the most misanthropic, anti-human propaganda that could possibly exist and it's you would say uh, at first maybe uh, like thinking of, about our personal politics you might be like oh well hold on because obviously that sounds like anti-corporate like pro-worker at first well, like this no, is a person no, finding not. liberation but it's not it's not because no the it message is not that, okay the message that i got from zom 100 is yes all those people in your life that you hate do suck and now it's okay for you to go ham on them. Yeah, it's okay to kill them now. Yeah. But in oh, in no other context could you change the conditions of your life except for murder and Well, that's destruction. what I'm saying. That's why I thought a much more interesting take would be for the reveal, you know, to be that it's all yeah. in his head and he's just gone fucking psycho on these people. Yeah, that would be a much more interesting thing, but that's not what is going to happen. What's going to happen is he is going to learn how to be a badass, and he's going to meet a chick with big tits, and uh, uh, she's going to fall in love with him because he does something badass, like save her, uh, and then they're going to meet like a grizzled old uh, survivalist, and he's going to teach him how to like be even better, and they're going to like go ride the empty rides at an amusement park and like eat cool food out of like a dumpster somewhere. They're just going to completely squander any attempt at something interesting in favor of basically the most nihilistic, not even nihilistic, like, um, fatalistic, uh, solipsistic, thanatological, thanatological. Ooh, that's a meaty one. I like that. Pro death. (laughs) <laughs> uh, death worship, essentially, okay. in that mass murder is what makes your life better. It is a culling of the herd, and that you is know, the oh. that is the ancillary that is the ancillary fantasy of every zombie story. You know, it just clicked with me. It just clicked with me. This is um this this is Zombieland. Exactly. Yes, it exactly. But like, it literally, exactly. Like, this is just the beginning of the movie Zombieland from from yeah. from my memory um, yeah I, you uh, know what i hadn't even i don't think about zombie land very often but it will follow the exact plot of zombie land yeah You're correct yeah no definitely yeah. uh and and i will that also may re- remind me uh that that office chick that he had the the crush on at the beginning she she totally gets turned into a zombie because she was sleeping with her boss uh, and he's just like, well, uh, sorry about that, but I'm over you now. Bye. Yeah. Oh, and this is this is just one of those little things. This is something that pops up in a lot. So I'm not saying this is uh, specific to Zom 100, but it is very pointed that they do this. Not only do they strip her of her humanity, but in death, they also strip her of any dignity. She is com- like naked when yeah. he destroys her body. Yeah. Uh gleefully by the way and he views his destruction of her naked body as his freedom his escape into freedom is the destruction of a naked woman which you know you can say hey you're reading too much into it but we all have reads of media that's the whole point of talking about media is we all read these things that's what happens that's the symbological mechanism that is going on in Psalm 100 (laughs) it's like insanely fucking gross 
Jesus Christ. Uh, too bad too bad the show looks amazing. It's incredibly amazing. I know. I was waiting to see <laughs> it. looks to get so into fucking good. Because it, it looks, looks great. really fucking good. They do this thing with the blood splatter where everything is in these bright saturated like primary It's like colors. paintballs. Yeah. yeah, they do paintball blood splatter. It looks fantastic. The movement <laughs> is so fluid. There are so many frames in this first episode. The way they move the camera around is brilliant. There's lots of interesting directorial choices when it comes to like cutting. Uh, it, it, it's a really, really handsome show. Uh, that sucks. That sucks so bad. It sucks so bad. Uh, who is the... I know that I recognize the animation director's name from somewhere else. Let me see here. I don't know. I don't know. Oh, Kazuki Kawagoe. Uh, Comey Can't Communicate is the big name on, on his list that I recognize it from, but there's a lot of stuff on here. Uh, actually, okay. uh, can I can I steal the next slot? Because ZOM yes, 100 uh, segues into another show that I watched um, that's kind of like the polar opposite in tone while being more or less about the same thing. Uh, right. I watched the, the masterful house cat is depressed again, uh, which right. is an absolute dog shit title. Uh, I hate Very that. Bad. Um, but the, the premise is, um, more or less the same basic seed as Zom 100, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Jesus where, where you have this woman in her early twenties that's working for this faceless company. She's getting beat down daily by the monotony of her job. And and her her escape fantasy, instead of being a zombie apocalypse where uh, rules no longer like the rules of society no longer apply, like like her big uh, answer to the existential crisis of her life is to uh, adopt a talking house cat that does (laughs) all of her cooking and cleaning for her these are the two genders (laughs) yeah yeah uh uh, zombie apocalypse prepper and and or talking cat (laughs) talking house cat lady talking cat lady (laughs) uh doesn't sound healthy but healthier for sure uh i would if i if given a choice between the two scenarios i'm i'm gonna pick the giant animal that that does all of my housework for me. Yeah, that does sound better to me too, to be honest. Um, I just think it's a very... uh, I watched it back-to-back with the first episode of ZOM 100, and it just felt like a very endearing concept coming off of that. Sure, sure. Obviously, neither is good. Uh, Neither is really... (laughs) Uh, addressing the core issue of why these characters feel uh, so fucking hopeless and lost in their lives. Yeah, but hey, maybe maybe they get to it. Uh, you know, I I'm I'm assuming they do. We'll check back in. We'll check back in. I will. I, I it's very funny. It has some great writing. A uh, lot of lot of unexpected jokes uh, or or humor that I wasn't expecting to see in there. Okay, give me uh, one uh, joke and then we'll move on. Uh, well, the the big setup um, is that throughout the first episode, she's constantly trying to like hide the fact that she's living with this giant person-sized cat. Yeah, yeah. Uh, who can read and write and and do chores for her? Right, because because the government is going to kidnap it like ET or something like that. Uh, and then the the punchline at the end of the episode is that oh actually all of her neighbors know the cat already because he like hangs out with them when she's at work. Okay, that's a good joke. I yeah. like that. 
that's pretty funny that's funny i like that uh so i would i would highly recommend checking that out you should check it out uh, dear listener and and remy as well okay so let's see we got uh here's an interesting one uh undead murder farce and this was in the manga called undead girl murder farce but i guess the girl I gave a little too much away i suppose it paints more of a picture for sure yeah, I don't, I don't know why they pulled it out, but uh, it's definitely worse. Now, what's interesting about Undead Murder Farce is that, uh, and this is a bit of a trend I've noticed with these, with this season, is uh, the manga starts with uh, a murder in a vampire family. Uh, the vampire mom Wait, is hold found on. Can, murdered. Okay, so vampires can have children in this, in in the rules of this universe. Yes, vampires can have children that we have a, a vampire man uh, who has married to a vampire woman. He has three vampire children of various ages Wait, uh, and a human on, butler. On. If they can have kids with each other, then, then what about the whole biting people to turn them into vampires thing? Yeah. So the, so it's what that's part of it is uh, this, this, the head vampire, our vampire man whose wife has been killed. He has <laughs> long since sworn off drinking blood. He hasn't even drank blood in like 20 years. Uh, okay. You know, to get it, to get it, to prove to humanity that he's not a threat. He wants to enter society, right? And that's the whole thing. And uh, this murder is really kicking up a lot of dust. He's he's not happy about it. I mean, even on top of his wife being murdered, he's not happy about uh, the press coverage and whatnot. Yeah, no, that's uh, generally that would have me pretty down. <laughs> I think. Yeah, I mean, it, the whole situ look, the whole situation sucks like uh, wall to wall. It's not good. So uh, a, a a trio of eccentric uh, detectives, or one detective and uh, her servants, show up to solve the murder. And the big twist is that uh, the detective is a girl's head that is kept in a birdcage by her underling. Uh, she's immortal. She's an immortal head. She solves mysteries. That's the setup. Okay. Uh, there's a bunch of other stuff, but that's it. It's a, it's a fantasy world where all kinds of universal monsters roam. Uh, it's all mishmashed together, uh, no, vampires, werewolves, all this shit. Okay, so when you say universal monsters, you mean the universal monsters, not like universally yes. universally applicable monsters. <laughs> well, I mean, there's a lot, there's a, a a widespread. Let's leave it at that. <laughs> uh, what's interesting about the anime, and I don't know, maybe interesting is not the right word, but that's a great setup in the manga because it introduces us to the world first to give us a, a, a boundary of strangeness, right? And then it immediately breaks that boundary with something even stranger. And that's a good gag. That's a really good gag. Mm -hmm. They also do this whole thing where there's a, there's a drape over the cage so people can't at first can't tell where the voice is coming from and they think one of the other people is like doing a ventriloquist act it's it's a whole thing but in the first episode of the anime they decide to go like flashback way before that event and explain all of this stuff just lay out the plot have the characters literally look each other in the eyes and talk about the plot to each other so that the audience doesn't get lost and Wait, that's really you cowardly can't just have characters look at each other and state their motivations that makes me angry it's it makes me angry because it treats me like a fucking idiot like if i had just seen these like vampire detective uh, murder mystery episode i'd be like that's ridiculous a head can't talk 
It's like, shut the fuck up. I, I know we're in an anime. I get it, okay? Uh, uh, hey, excuse me, sir. Uh, Mr. Mr. Jackson, uh, apes actually can't grow that large, uh, nor can they big. climb buildings like that. Well, hey, he did make King Kong s- smaller in that movie he made. Uh, so maybe somebody did do that. <laughs> uh, it just, it treats me... Like a baby, like a big dumb baby. Like you need to have all of this explained to you, or you're not going to know what's happening. And it's a bad move, honestly, because it makes the the first episode, this the episode that's supposed to sell you on the entire premise, really boring. Uh, not a good move at all. Uh, once you move past that to episode two, where they actually get into where the manga starts, it's fine. We're off to the races. We're doing the detective shit. It's it's great. Uh, well, it's not great. I I have my own problems with the detective side of it, but but for the most part, those are my own squabbles with anime detectives in general. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's fine. The animation is pretty good for what it is. I just think like if if you are interested in that premise of like monsters and humans trying to coexist in a world uh, where a bunch of detective stories happen, uh, just skip the first episode. I promise you, you will have a better time. Um, so that's that's Undead Girl Murder Farce, now called Undead Murder Farce. Um, let's see. Did you watch any of these other ones, or is this all me? Uh, no, that's all you. Okay, let's let's talk about the good ones then. Helk has premiered. Helk, I have talked about this quite a lot already. I, I guess I, I probably shouldn't go all the way through it again. Uh, Helk has a similar problem to Undead Murder Farce, in, wherein uh, episode one doesn't trust the audience very much and i don't like that i don't like when they treat me like a little baby i'm not a little baby i'm a grown-ass man god damn it okay but have you considered uh, that like there's a lot of people out there that uh do need and in fact want to be treated like a little baby uh if people like that exist which i very much doubt they do <laughs> they should stop watching anime because they're ruining it for the rest of us <laughs> the whole point of Helk is the manga has an incredible turn where it starts off as a gag manga and it seems very simple. The entire premise is, oh, the legendary hero is trying to become the demon lord through a series of these like fun battles that they're having to replace the previous demon lord. That's like a fun setup. It's a fun gag setup. But it slowly a deeper and weirder and darker story emerges as you continue in the manga. And uh, I understand why they did it, but they move the plot line uh, up into the first episode so that these things are now occurring uh, concurrently. Because, again, uh, they think you're a big dumb baby and you'll bounce out of the show. Uh, and in Helk's case, I kind of get it a little bit more because if people watch episode one and they think it's just a gag anime, maybe they'll bounce out. I don't know. But uh, it's not a choice that I particularly like, but it's fine. Helk looks good. It's got good animation. Uh, the gags are still pretty funny. I, I really like the story... Uh, in general, so I don't mind that they're leaking it in a little bit early. Whatever. I, I think Helk is cool. All right. Dark Gathering. Dark Gathering. For some reason, they just put the first three episodes onto Shudder. Uh, very strange choice. Dark Gathering is uh, a, a gap, as I mentioned before, right? Gap Moe? Remember? Yeah, yes, yeah. The, that totally common term that I definitely remember you using. Well, it it's pretty. It's more common than you think. Dark Gathering is Gap Moe. The whole idea being that it is a show that has a, a very kind of cutesy anime aesthetic about uh, a girl who is obsessed with ghost hunting and a boy 
who is cursed. Um, and he's, he's in college and he's her tutor. But instead of tutoring, uh, she's constantly trying to drag him into ghost hunting. And when we get to the ghost hunting, uh, things become incredibly dark and weird and gross. And like the ghost hunting is like legitimately ups- disturbing. Uh, and so that's the gap, Maui, right? You get it. Yeah. No, I get it. I get it. Yeah. Which is pulled off, uh, I think, pretty well. I think there's a balancing act here that is very, very difficult. And that if you go, you know, one or the other too much, you you ruin the entire premise of the show. Personally, I wouldn't mind if they went too much in the horror side. In fact, I, I think maybe they might be leaning a little to the other side. Uh, might be cutesy too much. Uh, we'll see how it goes along because uh, I see it getting a little darker. Uh, I'm sticking with it because I think I, I like that kind of thing. Uh, I hope it gets grosser. Gene of AI. Gene of I? Gene of AI? Still never figured it out. I think it's Gene of AI. I think it's probably Gene of AI because this is about uh, artificial intelligence, androids. This is uh, the first episode's kind of fun. Um, this basically establishes itself as Blackjack. In the Ghost in the Shell world, <laughs> essentially, he's a he's a blackjack doctor, um, but for like synthetic humans. Okay, and he's wrestling. He has his own personal plot um, that's going on in the background here. But it's, does anyone the first... uh, does anyone ever derisively or jokingly refer to him as a mechanic? Not in the first episode. In fact, I think most of them are really begging him for his help, so they probably don't want to make fun of him because uh, he is like blackjack. Basically, back alley surgeon, not not accredited. This man, uh, which are cool. You know, check out your local back alley surgeon. They do things a lot cheaper. Hell yeah, they'll take a bullet out, no questions asked. And he will uh, back up illegally, back up your wife's data, uh, no questions asked. Uh, he won't like it, but he'll do it. How ethical of him. Yes. Well, it's interesting because the first episode established this show is going to be uh, a little bit more of an episodic, uh, almost anthological. Uh, style story about the philosophy and morality of a sort of like post wet work human civilization. Um, It's a lot of wrestling with like, what is a person? You know, what is a soul? What are memories? That kind of thing. Oh, wow. It took them this long to catch up with Blade Runner. Well, yes, basically. I mean, we've been (laughs) grappling with this shit forever. And this is just another iteration of that story. But I think it's good Uh, because... Neuromancer came out in 1979. Yes. Uh... Well, whatever. Anyway, <laughs> this is a gentler, even though it has its own interesting plot going on. There's something about, like, he made a copy of his mom and the copy ran off or something like that. I'm not really sure. Uh, but the the foregrounding is... The copy is, ran off with the copier. It, it, the foregrounding is the, the kind of more grounded family stories. And I find those things really interesting. They're, the stakes are lower. They're more about... Like people's em- emotional needs, uh, which is a good side of this stuff because a lot of times when we talk about like robots and AI and these uh, 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 science fiction concepts, they're always shackled to some kind of like fucking action concept, uh, which this show doesn't have and, and frankly doesn't need if, if the if episode one is uh, something to go off of. It's, it's interesting. It's interesting. I, I, I like what they're doing with it. Could have been animated a little bit more. I could have done with more animation, but I don't think it looks bad. How are the backgrounds? Uh, mostly fine. He does that thing where he drives a classic car because he's like, I'm against the future, which I find annoying in in everything that it pops up in. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, it happens way too often. It's way played out. Like, stop doing that. Also, the, the car he chooses is, like, kind of like a 60s, 70s, like, BMW body. Uh, kind of the blockier ones. You see it in a lot of old British movies. Really ugly car. I don't like it. He chose bad. Oh, uh, man. We could do a whole episode on our favorite anime cars. That's like a whole Oh, thing. I'd love to. Hell, yeah. Well, I mean, fucking lupon's little pugo wins every yeah, time. i mean yeah uh, that was my number one uh yeah it's a it's a good one man that i mean that fucking ass. that fucking opening scene of castle of uh, cagliostro uh that is uh cagliostro 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 uh it, yeah it's, that shit rules peak fucking animation yes okay final one this is a downer but whatever we'll end it there i love ending on a downer Ayaka uh, is basically the most generic thing <laughs> we watched uh, this season so far. Uh, man, it's uh, there's there's a family of uh, exorcists. There's uh, lineage powers, blood lineage powers. Somebody uh, collects a schoolboy, high school boy, to go back to his uh, family home to like fight ghosts or whatever. He kind of doesn't want to do it, but a weird guy. Uh, awakens his powers and he's like I'm afraid of my powers and so he's like take control of them that'll make you less afraid and he's like okay I will do that and then they fight a ghost together and then they live in a a hot landlady's house and he has kind of a crush on the hot landlady but she also maybe has powers who knows Uh, it looks pretty generic Uh, the the monsters look generic Uh, the powers look generic he looks generic Uh, everything about this show is as generic as possible so I'm sure it's going to be very popular all right, love it. You know, I, I, yeah, I wish I, I really wish that someone would do you know that, but his life gets objectively worse after getting getting powers. <laughs> I know it's been done out there. I'm I'm struggling to think yeah, of the yeah, exact yeah, yeah. title, but uh, that is that is such a much more interesting take than than that. Ba- you basically are begging these guys to like give me one twist. Like one, and and hey, you know what? To be fair, I only watched the first episode. Maybe episode two introduces like a bunch of complications. Who knows? But uh, I, it doesn't seem like we're going in that direction. Ayaka, uh, who boy? I I don't know, man. I I think I'm 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 not sure I can even watch episode. I've two. already so forgotten boring. the plot, and you just described it to me. Yeah, Ayaka also, and there's like Ayakashi Triangle came out last season or the season before too, and so we're already getting there's too many Ayaka things like floating around right now anyway. So I'm I'm constantly like forgetting which one's which. Uh, we need to figure that shit out. I bet Ayaka means something really generic too, right? Like it probably means powers or something, right? Uh. I don't speak Japanese. <laughs> uh, okay, by the next episode, uh, one of us will have learned Japanese so we can finally put this shit to rest. Oh, is this where we uh, get to plug uh, um, our Duolingo uh, commercial? <laughs> yeah, we finally nailed a sponsorship. It's Duolingo. Uh, they will revoke it if we don't learn Japanese within one week. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, really, I'm sweating my ass off, and not just because of the heat this time. We did spend all of the advance money already. Yeah, I, I really can't give that back. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> so uh, I guess we'll... Uh, what do you want to do? You want to you wanna head off and uh, <laughs> crack the books open again? I think that was a lot of anime. We talked about lots of anime. That uh, was that, the whole season. That was some there. good anime. That was that was a preview of the summer season. Three weeks uh, in. Not necessarily what you should be watching, uh, but what we have watched. 
Yeah, there's some other stuff. To be honest, there is a couple other things I think I might I might check out. I'm not well, sure though. Well, you know, we talked about it last episode, but check out Jujutsu Kaisen. First season's out. Second season's. Yeah, that really needs uh, it. Really needs the publicity. That yeah. one. You know what? I'm not gonna I'm not gonna uh, take that from you. I will plug <laughs> a super popular show if I want to. Look, it looks good. This season looks good. I I hope they get back to our main boy. Uh, pink-haired Itadori at some point. It never. We are never going back to Itadori's uh, story. <laughs> it would be fun if we got along with the story at some point, but you know what? The show looks great. It doesn't matter what they're doing. Uh, the animation's fine. It looks great. I'll just watch that. Uh, oh, I will slip in real quick. Uh, check out Honorable Farmer Arakawa. Uh, <laughs> there, there are these fun can't little. Be, that can't be the name of it. That's the name of that's the name of the Honorable sh- Farmer. Yep. Oh no! <laughs> it's, oh no! There are these cute little info dump videos made by the author of Full Metal Alchemist. Uh, she grew up on a dairy farm, and she makes these cute little cartoons about Japanese uh, food supply chain. And I find them <laughs> endlessly interesting. Uh, check it out. Okay, okay, you you snuck one in there. I I think by the next time I might have watched. Uh, maybe Agate was the other one I had my my eye on. Uh, that's a Chinese one. I, I don't think we've talked about any Chinese anime so far, right? No, no, we haven't. Yeah, so I'm gonna I'm gonna check in. Maybe let, let's see what's uh, let's see what's happening uh, on the other side of the pond, right? Yeah, uh, that's a, yeah. a whole untapped market. That's a whole new world. <laughs> N- yeah, no one's uh, no one's paying attention <laughs> to that except for yeah. us. Oh Jesus! Now, we're the only ones that have ever done it. Okay, we're digging our we're we're digging a hole here. <laughs> okay, okay, all right. Pick one of those shows and watch it, and then you can talk to us, your best friends, uh, all about the new anime you're watching this season. I can't I would wait. love to hear it. Please tell me about the anime. Yes. Please, someone besides Remy, talk to me about anime. <laughs> uh, we are the only ones with objectively correct opinions, as I stated. Uh, so that may or may not go good for you. I'm just saying. Okay. In the meantime. Yeah, okay. Yeah, all right. We'll be back next week with objectively correct opinions on Anime Death Spiral. Bye. Bye. That spirit is evil.